this morning, I want to give all the moms a gift, right? Listen, there's a, a picture booth out there. Your mom wants a picture with you, all right? So you're welcome, moms, okay? So you do it. There you go, yeah. At least that's the, the moms in my life. That's what they want. They want pictures, and a lot of them, you know, and so you have to do that today, okay? Um, we've been in the book of Judges, and I've, I've enjoyed this. When God laid this on our heart and planning months and months ago, nearly a year ago, I didn't know what to expect. Um, and, and God is clearly speaking through his word um, in our midst, and I'm so thankful for that. We, we've begun with a question that first week, and this was the question. What happens when God's people do not act like God's people? Two weeks ago, we took it a step further, and we said, what happens if God's people no longer know him? Last week, we asked the question, what would happen if we understood how desperately we need God's presence? And this week, and I encourage you, if you write things down, I, I think this is one that you should write down. Because it kind of forms everything we're going to be talking about today. What would happen if we truly experienced God's power in our lives again? What would happen if we would truly experience God's power in our lives again? I had the opportunity to teach third, fourth, and fifth grade Sunday school this morning. And they did really well to pay attention. I was pleased. We have some awesome, awesome third, fourth, and fifth graders. Um, we talked about Stephen and Stephen being martyred. And we talked how he was full of the Holy Spirit. He was full of God's power. And the same power that worked in Stephen's life and gave him boldness to stand in the midst of a people looking to kill him and declare that Jesus is Lord. The same power that gave him the power to do that flows in you and me today. If you know Jesus Christ as your Savior, the Holy Spirit dwells within you and the same power is available to you today. The power of God is available in our lives if you don't believe that, just, and, you, and you just watch that story, and you can't see how God moved and is moving, then you, your wood sweat, right? You got, you got, you, you got something's wrong. You got you to pay attention. You got to listen. God's power is the same today. The same power that parted the Red Sea flows in the hearts of believers today. The same power that raised Jesus from the dead is available to you and me. But we have forgotten it. We have gotten complacent to live our lives without the power displayed in our lives. If the people of God would act like the people of God, if they would continue to know their God, if they would desperately understand their need for God and His presence in our lives and experience, then we would know that the power of God is available today in my life 
And in your life, the power to overcome sin in our life, the power to focus our hearts and minds on Jesus, the power to overcome adversity and difficulty, the power to see people saved even though the world seems like it's crazy and out of whack, we would understand that the power of God is still true today and can be used today and experienced today and seen today. But we have forgotten it. The church has become complacent. I don't mean this church. I mean the church across the the West, across our nation. And I would say across the world, but God's power is displayed in some places in the world today in amazing, amazing ways. And we would be ashamed to realize that is complacent. Complacency has helped us to forget God's power today. We're going to look at a familiar story in the Bible. You probably learned about it in Sunday school time and time and time again. It's about Gideon. But what we see in that story is a people who had forgotten who their God was. They'd forgotten his power. They remembered it, and then they forgot it again. And I pray that we'll learn some things that hopefully will help us to recall his power in our lives because things are different. Gideon was a human deliverer, but Jesus came as the once and for all deliverer and his Holy Spirit lives and dwells in you and me and can change our hearts and change our lives and we can see it and understand it today we're going to look at three chapters of scripture today so we're not going to read all that okay I'm going to point to specific spots but if you'll start in Judges chapter 6 turn your Bibles there we're going to look at specific areas But I'm going to start a little bit differently with the point today. The the very first point is that we cannot hide ourselves away from God's judgment. If we're going to talk about the power of God, we must understand that this God is all-powerful. He is mighty beyond all things, and he considers considers sin, disobedience, and uh, living our lives whatever way we want to, with whomever we want to, however we want to, is a point of contention with God. And just like you and I would punish our children and, 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 and help them find consequences to redirect their path, God does that again and again with His people to help them see that they need Him so that they'll cry out to Him and then He graciously there is there to, to receive them. So we see that. What we see and how I think the Scripture teaches this is that, number one, in in Judges chapter 6, 1 through 6, what we see are the people of Israel hiding away from God's judgment. They're hiding from it, but they can't escape it. They can't outrun it. They go to the caves. It finds them there. They go to the hiding places. It finds them there. They can't escape it. Look at what it says. The Israelites did. This is the same refrain again and again. And remember, the Bible's a, a mirror first. We must see our own tendencies to run away. In chapter one or chapter six, verse one, the Israelites did what was evil in the sight of the Lord. So the Lord pulled away, handed them over to the Midian, uh, over to Midian seven years, and they oppressed Israel. Because of Midian, the Israelites made hiding places for themselves in the mountains, caves, and strongholds. Whenever the Israelites planted crops, the Midianites, Amalekites, and Kedemites came and attacked them. They encamped against them 
and destroyed their produce of the land. And even as far as Gaza, they left nothing for Israel to eat as well as no sheep, ox, or donkey. They oppressed them and they couldn't, they kept coming after them and they couldn't run from them. For the Midianites came with their cattle and their tents like a great swarm of locusts. They and their camels were without number and they entered the land to lay waste to it. So Israel became poverty stricken because of Midian and the Israelites cried out to the Lord. What we understand and see is that the judgment of God is something we can't hide from. We can't hide from eventually our sins will be found out. Eventually our ways of living however we want to will be found out. It will be dealt with eventually. And that's hard to hear. It's something we don't like to hear. It's something we don't like to imagine or know. What we want God to be is benevolent all the time, loving all the time. Uh, we, we want him just to look over everything and, and, and sweep it under the rug. And we must understand that wrongdoing deserves consequences and punishment, and we can't run from it. Verses 11 through 13, we see even Gideon. We, we tout Gideon, right? And we, we kind of look at him because he... he he, he took on the Midianites, this swarm of locusts. That's a lot of people, right? And he took them on with 300 men. And we were like, man, yeah, Gideon had faith. And Gideon was, was, was weak and scared and hiding himself. He was threshing wheat in 11 through 13 uh, down in a wine press so that he could hide. And threshing wheat was something he normally did out in the open. And he was hiding away. You cannot hide from that. You cannot hide. And so we don't like that. We don't like to hear that. We don't like to hear about God's judgment. We want to only hear about his love. And punishment must happen for sin. Judgment must take place. That's why, the, that's why Jesus is so beautiful. Because God knew that you and I needed a forgiveness that you and I needed a, a respite, a salvation. He, that he knew that we needed a way out and that we couldn't deliver ourselves, that we would try to hide and find our, way, our own way. He knew that. And so he sent his own son. He, he sent Jesus. He came as our deliverer once and for all. And he took on our punishment People want to give God a bad rap, but he came down himself and substituted himself in our place. He humbled himself completely, fully, and said, I'll take the punishment. I'll take the, the, the punishment for the wrongdoing. I'll take the sin debt. That's the grace we just sing about, the marvelous grace. The amazing grace that Jesus would give himself fully and freely for all who believe, as the as this verse of the song said and as scripture says as well. We can't hide from God's judgment, but we don't have to because Jesus came. Jesus saves. Jesus delivers. The second thing we see is that God's strength is often displayed in our weaknesses. Can you testify to that today? I certainly can. 
God oftentimes gives his strength in our weakness. We, we sing a song about it, right? Right? Jesus loves me, this I know, for the Bible tells me so. When, he, when I'm weak, he is what? Strong. Strong. God's strength is often displayed in our weaknesses. We see this in Gideon's life. Remember, we tout Gideon. We think he's this amazing hero. You know, he's like Spartacus, right, with the 300. And it's not like that at all. Read the scripture. It's not like that at all. He's weak and trembling. God says, as he's hiding from the Midianites, threshing wheat in the wine press, an angel of the Lord comes to him and says, Hello, valiant warrior. <laughs> it's like sarcasm at the greatest, uh, in the greatest way. And he's like, he says, I'm the weakest of my family, and my family's the weakest of the families of my tribe. Why would you choose me? He tried to get out of it again and again and again. But what we see, and God chose him specifically to lead and to deliver, to give us a caricature of what our hearts are like. Again and again, we must realize and understand we are weak, but Christ is strong. Christ is the one. Jesus is the one who's strong in our midst. And what did God say? I will be with you. Don't worry. When he says, I'm the weakest of the weak, he says, don't worry, I will be with you. Don't worry, I know you're weak. I know you're not a valiant warrior, but I will make you one. And that's what God does in your life and my life. He knows Derek's weak. In his, in his um, uh, omnipotent wisdom, he came to me at 16 and said, I want you to preach. And I was terrified of standing in front of people and talking. And God's like, I know. That's because I want to use you. I want to be glorified in you. I want people to see me, not you. And God does it again and again and again in our lives to use our weaknesses and use us in spite of ourselves. Verse 14, the Lord turned to him and said, Go in the strength you've, you have and deliver Israel from the grasp of Midian. I'm sending you. He said to him, Please, Lord, how can I deliver Israel? Look, my family is the weakest in Manasseh, and I'm the youngest in my father's family, but I will be with you. The Lord said to him, You will strike Midian down as if it were one man. Then the Lord said to him, If I found favor with you, give me a sign. And he does it again and again. Give me a sign, God. Give me a sign. Verse 25 through 27, uh, he goes and does what God told him to do, to tear down the, the worship altars to Baal and to at the Asherah poles. God tells him to go take them down in his own family's uh, farm, his own family's land. When does he do it? At night, so nobody will see him doing it. God uses the weakest oftentimes to display his strength the greatest. Verses 33 through 39, Gideon is talking about a, uh, this fleece. He says, Lord, make this fleece wet when the ground's dry. Make this fleece dry when the ground's wet, and I'll do it. And he just again, again, and again, trying to get out of it. But God says, nope, I want to use you. First, or 2 Corinthians 12, 9 says, But he said to me, My grace is sufficient for you, for my power is perfected in weakness. You see, we need to acknowledge our weakness before the Lord. 
so that his power can be made strong in us and through us. Therefore, I will most gladly boast in all the more about my weaknesses so that Christ's power may reside in me. May that be our prayer. The third thing that we see is that we should not try to accomplish God-sized things in our own strength. What happens is the Lord works in our lives and we start, oh, well, man, I must be, I must be a good preacher. People responding every week. Or I must be good at this. Look at what God's doing. And we, we start to get the big head when God's moving. We take credit for what he's done. And that, that's, what happens with, that's what happens with Gideon. You know the story. We don't have to read it. Uh, read it on your own if you'd like. But God chooses 300 people. Right, Midian comes with this, or uh, Gideon comes with this great army. He says, "Here you go, God. Or if we're going to go conquer him, we need a big army." And says, "Nope, that's too many. I can't show my glory in that." People will say, "Well, look at what we did and take the glory for themselves. Cut them, cut them because of this. Cut them because of that." He whittles them down to three hundred. You know how many that three hundred conquered? A hundred and thirty-five thousand God used three hundred to do it. There's no way they could take credit for it. There's no way they could point to themselves. But that's exactly what Gideon does later on. Look at verse two and three of chapter seven. The Lord said to Gideon, you, may too ha- you, you have too many troops for me to hand the Midians over, Midianites over to you. Or else Israel might elevate themselves over me and say, my own strength saved me. Now announce to the troop, whoever is fearful and trembling may turn back and leave Mount Gilead. So 22,000 of the troops turned back, but 10,000 remain. And he whittles it down again and again. What we see is that through all this, God delivers them. But Gideon is concerned. And so God whittles it down. He's like, God, there's no way. Let me sneak into the camp. It's this amazing story. Somebody should make a movie of it. It would be hilarious. Uh, Gideon goes into the Midianite camp. He crawled. I kind of see him army crawling, you know, like got stuff all over him so they can't see him. And he hears one guy telling another guy about a dream. And he says, man, you won't believe this. I had this crazy dream that Israel defeats us, and he uses weak old Gideon to do it. Can you imagine the boldness of hearing a dream from, that God told you would happen, and you come back to your camp, and so Gideon comes in. He's like, all right, the Lord has delivered Midian into my hand. Let's go. I mean, he's got the boldness. He goes. He's ready to go. But what happens overall is eventually, and we see this in eight twenty-two through 27 the Israelites said to Gideon rule over us you as well as your sons and grandsons so they loved it they, they delivered uh, God had delivered them through this they killed off 135,000 Midianites and so the Israelites say we need you to be our king we need you to be our ruler for you've delivered us from the power of Midian but Gideon said to them and he, and he does well he does well I will not rule over you and my son will not rule over you the lord will rule over you so he, he does great right in the very next sense then he said to them let me make a request of you since you think i should be the ruler everybody bring me an earring from the plunder that you got now the enemy had gold earrings because they were ishmaelites they said we agree to give them and so they spread out a cloak and everyone threw an earring from his plunder on it 
The weight of the gold earrings was requested was 43 pounds of gold in addition to the crescent ornaments and ear pendants, the purple garments on the kings of Midian, and the chains on the necks of their camels, right? So it's a bunch. And Gideon made an ephod, uh, and he put it in Ophrah, his hometown, and they worshipped it. Then all of Israelite prostituted themselves by worshipping it there and became a snare to Gideon in his household. You see, Gideon saw the power of God, took it into his own hands, and tried to accomplish things in his own strength and for his own glory. Too often we want to handle things our way when we need to plead the power of God and remember our weaknesses and that God wants to use his, his, him, his power and it's made perfect in our weakness. What we see is ultimately God delivered them. He gave them peace for many, many, many years while Gideon was alive. And so what we see is our final point. God's power will ultimately rule. One day God will display his power fully. And it may be too late in that moment. But we have to remember his power. That's, that's the trick. We have to remember it. We have to get it into our heads, get it into our hearts, and understand that God will rule. God's power is full and free. Look at what happens to them in the final verses of this story. Verse 30. Gideon had 70 sons, his own offspring, since he had many wives. So, wow, they, were, they, got a lot, they had a lot going on there. Four is hard, so I can't imagine 70. So, uh, his concubine who was in Shechem also bore him a son, and he named him Abimelech. Then Gideon, son of Joash, died at a good old age and was buried in the tomb of his father, Joash, and Ophrah in, of the Abyssalites. When Gideon died, the Israelites turned and prostituted themselves by worshiping the Baals and made Baal Bereth their God. The Israelites did not remember the Lord their God who had rescued them from the hand of the enemies all around them. They did not remember his power. And they did not show kindness to the house of Gideon or Jerubbabel for all the good he had done in Israel. We must not forget who God is. We must not forget God's power. We must not be satisfied with things in our own strength and in our own might. We must plead the power of God in our lives. We must call on the power of God in our lives and we must ask Him to work in spite of us and in spite of of our weaknesses. We must call out to God in our own lives and say, God, show your power in me. Show your power in my life. Show your power over my sin. Show your power over the things in my life. Show your power in my life to help me to see and know you and feel you and know your presence in my life. And may we see the power of the Holy Spirit to do amazing things in us. Today we're going to sing a song. And the, the part of the song, it says, I will build my life upon the love of God. That's what we got to do, folks. we got to build our lives upon God, upon his power, upon his presence. And you can do that. Remember what Jesus did? 
He made it so that you didn't have to be religious enough. You didn't have to be good enough. You're supposed to acknowledge your weaknesses. You're supposed to acknowledge before God, I'm a sinner. I need Jesus. I need God. I need his power in my life. And Jesus freely gave it for us to receive. And so that's what we have to build our lives on daily so that we don't forget it. So that that we don't squander it. So that we don't get complacent living our lives without it. Living our lives for ourselves. So the call today, the response today for all of us, build our lives upon Christ and what he accomplished in his power. If you want to know Jesus Christ as your Savior today, you can call on him today. Romans 10, 9, uh, 9 and 10 and following says that we should believe in our heart, confess with our mouth that Jesus is Lord, that God raised him from the dead, and that everyone who calls upon the name of the Lord will be saved. If you want to trust Christ as your Savior today, call on him now. He saves. He saves. If today you got something going on and there's no way I could, absolutely no way I could know what that is. But God does and you do. Do business with him in this moment. And say, God, help me to build my life upon you. Help me to remember your power again. To experience it again in my life. We're going to pray. Our team's going to come and I'm going to pray that God will work and move in hearts and lives across this room in this moment on the internet as they're watching as well, that God would move and speak and change and wake us up to his power, to his love, to his grace, that we can build our lives upon it. Let's pray. Jesus, we love you. Work, move, move in our midst, change our hearts, change our lives. Do something in me, God. Do something in our midst today. Do something in hearts and lives today. Change them. Help us to see your power. Help us to call and plead the power of God in our lives. Help us to call out to you, Lord, and see what you are doing and what you want to do in our midst, God. Work today in us. Work today in me. And help us to build our lives upon you. In Jesus' name, amen. Would you stand? And as we stand, if God is moving in your heart, you come. I'd love to walk with you through whatever it is. I'd love to pray for you. You come. Let's sing this song together. Worthy of every-